Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm rolling. We're, we're, we're going to get started. <laughs> Welcome to the Interloop Radio. I'm Rachel Koontz. And I'm Courtney Sexton. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you stream from. And for all of our loyal listeners out there, we love you. Don't forget to leave us a review telling the world what a totally amazing, kick-ass, inspiring show this is. Hallelujah. <laughs> and for all our new listeners out there here on the Interloop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration, craft, what makes a great ghost story, how to construct the perfect sonnet, or just how we all sit down each day in front of an empty page. That's kind of sad. We play clips of local writers reading their work at our monthly reading series, and we invite a few of those writers to join our discussion. So, for the new year, on our January episode, we discussed finishing projects, and since we know you all went ahead and took care of that, this month we want to talk about starting new projects. Spring is around the corner. It's St. Patty's Day today. I think, what, what we have two, three days before the official start of spring? Yeah. 20th or 21st? Yeah. Yeah, it's not official yet, but it's... It's, it's there. Com- spring is coming. I can feel it. doesn't have the same ring as winter is coming. Yeah, but that's also coming. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Oh, I know. Stop <laughs> it. Uh, anyway, spring means new beginnings, new growth, and starting fresh. And with the budding flowers, you may also have a few budding projects. And so we thought this would be a good opportunity Apropos. to help you get started. Mm-hmm. So on today's show, we've invited two local writers, Dan Brady and Sam Nelson, to talk about how they overcome the blank page. But first... Courtney, what are some ways you prepare for a new projects? Well, you know, I was thinking about this, and um, it really depends on the project, right? So I've done a few with a colleague who is a um, photographer and videographer and documentary maker, uh, Mike Snyder, who has actually uh, read, read with us at mm. Interloop. Um, and usually when we do a project, we sit down together and think about what the themes are that we think are going to emerge Mm -hmm. um we think about who the people we're going to be interviewing are and like kind of who they are as people but also what roles they can play as characters in the story we're trying to tell Mm. because it's you know you have to do this delicate dance of like how much does the visual give you information and how much is the writing either supplementing that or pulling something new out of the image that you wouldn't necessarily see. Mm. So you work the total opposite way that I do because I do not think about themes <laughs> until I've written half half the piece or half the you know collection or I've already written it and then I go back and read it and I'm like oh look at this uh-huh, uh-huh. look at this in here I'm going to go back and make that stronger um, you know I'm, I'm going to work that a little bit. Well it emerges kind of organically in that exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah and I feel you so 
that's why I said so this is one route that I use mm. when working on a specific kind of project like something that is commissioned or we're doing a pro bono piece like specifically or like to, is research based right exactly so like we're there's a story we have a motive here that's bigger than I'm creating this piece because I want to (laughs) yeah exactly Mm -hmm. um but on the other hand and kind of similar to what you're saying often things will be percolating Mm -hmm. like simmering under the surface yeah that's like (laughs) I haven't paid attention to and then one day something will spark it and I'll be like oh yeah and then just start writing through it and yes things emerge um and something else I like to do is to section things. Mm. So even if I don't know what it's going to look like, I like mm-hmm. to kind of like break it apart into its like pieces. Yeah, kind of like overarching, like theme pieces. Yeah, mm. or but images. Not quite. Yeah, like maybe I'm, like this image is over here. This right. like, thought or feeling is over here. Exactly. Like I'm like I'm feeling like these things. They all fit together somehow, but I don't know how yet. But this one is more similar to this one. I'm gonna make this grouping and then this grouping. Mm, and this I like grouping. that. And so I try to write through the groupings first. Yeah. And then kind of see. Yeah, I can see that. I I often have like a group of images or section. I'm a nonfiction writer, so I'll have like several memories that I feel are connected yeah um but I usually just start with one the one that is like the most prominent Mm -hmm. and just start writing that Mm -hmm. and then wait for the opportunity in the writing for the other ones to seem appropriate Mm -hmm. and then work them into the story that way yeah um but I'm I'm just a start writing and just do it uh kind of a gal but you know fiction writers a lot of I know my partner's a screenwriter um, and he will like sketch out characters. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I think that works really well for fiction writers. Just like write the whole background out. Maybe it never comes up, but you have like the idea in your mind, deeper understanding of your characters. Yeah. I think back a lot to, I I think a lot of, because a lot of the writing I do is research based. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think back to something one of our uh, Sarah Lawrence professors uh, said once um, Suzanne and I don't I don't think you were in that class but it was a Mm -hmm. it was a class on critical Mm -hmm. writing I dropped that class (laughs) it was it was (laughs) tough it was tough yeah Um, and what she said was you can't bullshit Mm-hmm. Which is funny because, like, you often think about like the art of writing as like a lot of bullshitting. Right? It is a lot of bullshitting. But when you're writing something critical research-based, or yeah. research based, like you have to know what you're talking you really about. Do. So like you can't set something in the deep south and have someone be convinced that like you grew up there, even just even if it's a fiction piece, right? If you don't know what the hell you're talking about, right? So like one way is to do all of this research, but right. then you run into the problem. Of Where do you stop? When do you stop <laughs> yeah. and just start writing? Right. Like, yep. I I did a. Um, um, I did a, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but I did a profile piece and I went and interviewed the person that I was profiling. And I think I had three hours of tape. Of transcript, yes. And then I transcribed all of it, which took me... Hours. Two days, yeah. two full eight-hour days. You know, you can pay people to do that. Uh, no, because the transcribing... <laughs> no, because you listen and then you hear... The transcribing and the things was emerge. like where all the creative yes. sh- shit was happening. Yes. No, like, I know, I know. So, no. Um, and, then, and then I wrote how long? A three-page piece. 
right. three double spaced page. So what is that? So like, like four hundred words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so think about the amount of research that went into that. It's tiny. It's tough. Little morsel of. But I bet it was good. Creativity. Right? It was damn good. See. If I do say so much. So that's a start. <laughs> that's a starting point. So speaking of starting points, what about entrances? I know we've talked about before one of my favorites, which is starting with an object. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes, you know, you know what you want to write about, but you just don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have an opening image in mind. So then you have to kind of figure mm-hmm. out how do you get past that blank page. Mm-hmm. So one of the big ones we've talked about on the show is using an object, object or like location place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just start describing the, the setting. room or the site. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you can start with an object that you know seems meaningful or like for um, a memoirist, you know, something that was there, and just start describing it. And poof things just start to develop from there or even also um the physical attributes of a character you know like what they're wearing the things that don't necessarily need to be there to get you started but that kind of then help you like oh well why would they be wearing converse sneakers versus cowboy boots you know like oh my god the most painful part (laughs) as a writer is that you're probably going to end up cutting that whole first page anyway absolutely (laughs) but it gets you started but it gets you started um i can't stand that idea every time i sit down to write i'm like no i'm not going to write a single word that is not staying in this oh man i have i have i am still (laughs) to this day very much the like first page at least is throw up and not that it's bad (laughs) it's just disorganized and like so much yeah and you know all the best stories start in what we call in medias rens like in the middle of things so you are going to set up all this stuff to get your thoughts in order exactly but then the reader you're going to like dive in right in the middle and you know when you hit that point too Mm -hmm. you're like oh there it is there there it is (laughs) delete the last 500 words (laughs) like that felt good it was a nice exercise except it doesn't take 500 words. I mean, it's only a page. It's only a page. Terrible. Anyway. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I start a lot of things. Courtney's a starter. starter. <laughs> well, we already had our show on finishing. I know. So just go I back know. and listen to that and you'll be fine. That's right. Up next, we've been talking a lot about how to start a new piece. Um, so we're going to demonstrate with one of our live exercises. show on starting new projects, Courtney and I are going to start something new right here, right now, on the show. Rachel likes to keep me guessing with these surprise, surprise, I was going to say, live exercises. (laughs) It's not really a surprise anymore. It's like a regular regular thing. Um, But earlier, we talked about using objects as a way into a new piece. So Courtney and I are going to show you how it's done. Hopefully, it'll be halfway decent. Uh, We both brought in an object from our lives that has just kind of stuck around. Like, we don't know maybe why. It just has some kind of 
special feeling to, toward it. Nothing like, you know, big, Sentimental huge. or, or like, yeah, yeah no. Mm-hmm. No, just a thing that's there always seems to follow us around. So we brought it in. Yeah. Um, so, qu- Courtney, quickly... What what is yours? Well, we were laughing because they look actually physically. I know, very similar. like I didn't tell her what I was bringing in. <laughs> yeah. She didn't tell me, but uh, she pulled hers out, and I was like, "Wow, it looks exactly like mine." Yeah. So mine is a chestnut that I found on the street in downtown DC oh. about oh man, uh, six six years ago. Now. So do you think there's like nut in there and this left is, in there? This is this is the that nut. is the nut that is the nut that is the inside. But the sh- I mean it the has meat? been shelled. Oh, it's been shelled. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I weird. It doesn't rot or anything. No, How long have you had this? Six years. I uh, I've carried I carried it in my pocket for a long time and kind of used it as like a rubbing stone sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it has a very smooth indentation where my thumb just kind of fits perfectly, and I, I like the feel of it because it's a little bit oily, like mm-hmm. the outside of a nut would be. Mm-hmm. Um, That's funny because mine is like a little rubbing stone. Yeah, it's a stone that I picked up off the beach, I think. I think I've been off the beach. Sure. It doesn't actually look like a beach stone. It's like dark. Um, but it also has this nice little indentation. Yeah. It feels really so good. weird. Well, and it's funny because it, it sat on my desk in my office Mine for a long time. Mine sits in my desk in my office. And I would randomly just pick it up. and That's exactly what yeah. we have. Yep. Courtney and I. Anyway. We just happen to be one person. We're rubbers. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Okay, so now we're going to write something based on these little guys that we brought in. (laughs) God only knows what's going to come of this. Um, And while we do that, you are going to listen to a few um, inspiring spring poems from writers who have read with us at our events. Enjoy that. There is always magic in the space between two trees. And then fireflies in their symphony in the soft dark slow to realize dozens of them in one long grassy space and if you just look long enough a sudden quiet multiplying points of light gold a pulse rising out of air out of nowhere low to the ground subtle undulating your heartbeat is in there several times per twinkle steady that is magic and when you find yourself in that place from your childhood and the place is so heavy with gold and memory that you cannot take one step without feeling it, cannot touch your hand to the wall without feeling it. It is so full of magic because it is so full of you. And what you are really greeting there is your sense of yourself at seven, so sure and full that it spilled over and permeated the walls. And there is always magic in the space between two trees. This one's called Merciless Wind. There is a wind, and it is made of words, and the same alterities that make up words. And the words are made of wind, which I wish was the breath of the world beyond words, where bluebirds chirp in meadows green and pink with hawthorn and eglantine, and skinny birches at the edge occasionally knock together in a breeze, a gentle wind, clack, clack, 
If a person could go there and listen, the sound might alarm them, but even beyond is a word. So this place, this world beyond, can't, beyond words cannot exist unless we all agree that, it, agree that it exists or unless it exists without our knowledge. And if a person were listening and alarmed by the clack of the birches, their alarm would stand for some memory of past pain linked with imagined future pain. Even if that pain was unlikely and only relative to the pleasure of the meadow, that image of pain would be in words, or maybe pictures, which are kinds of words, by which I mean these to be shorthand for how this green and gray part of the world got made in many ways from words typeset by white people afraid of what they don't know and can't control. The wind of words that blew these people into homes of other people, over meadows green and pink, over oceans blue, black, and brown. The breeze whipped up flags, it shot, it drowned. But it cannot now do justice, lick lips, and propose a redress of grievance. It leaps at the thought, it's still leaving its ghosts in all of our bodies, like knotty plum pits in our stomachs, thrusting leafy branches up and out our mouths, switching our whistles to, time, to tuneless rustlings, as though we did not own our throats, as though wind were not also breath, also words, imagined ordering on massive and collective scale, of shifting and disingenuous hurricane, its tendrils whipping its name, ugly and too full of crows and past oceans to empty out here where I have come for pleasure. The birches clack quite loudly on the minds of the white people who fear their own words may be wind and not iron made of smoke and ink and this green gray world may not be owned and ordered. They hide their bullets, retract their talons. They know what pain can be pressed upon those who do not own. The wind they know shifts but more than fear a ripe plum. Sweet solace, sucked out of the hand of this wind of tongues. They will make space in their mouths. I know it tastes good. Thank you. Those were some lovely spring poems by local writers Jody Rosenman and Benjamin Bresner. So much lovelier than what I'm about to read. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I concur. Mine didn't mine didn't come out so well. I feel like sometimes these exercises I'm like, yeah, yeah. something clicked, but not that time. Yeah, no, I just like, <laughs> uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So we were writing during that little break and I guess we have to read that now. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because so you you know what our objects were mine this this chestnut this rubbed chestnut um and the piece actually ended up I think being about relationships. <laughs> Sweet. So I call I, that a win. I mean intentionally so. I mean it's still very cheesy and not not really well crafted, but um the, meta- the, the metaphor is there. <laughs> the metaphor is there. So, I have a metaphor in mind, too. But the whole what? thing is a big metaphor. So. <laughs> let's let's, let's hear see. It. Oh, do I have to go first? Yeah. All right. No, I'll go first if you don't Yeah, want. you go first. Okay. Courtney does always go first. Yeah. I guess it's my turn. All right. Oh, it's, it's bad. <laughs> I apologize in advance. <laughs> The dark surface is cracked and dotted with tiny craters over which her finger grazes again and again. 
Her finger. <laughs> what does it have in its pockets? Her finger does not notice the flaws as she mindlessly fondles the stone, enjoying its smooth edges, waiting for the name of her stop to appear in the subway car window. She gazes through her reflection at the darkness racing by, forgetting for the moment what three foods she will prepare for dinner. She isn't thinking about the calories in the broiled fish, green beans, and Romanesco. She isn't thinking about the number of tests she has to catch up on for work, or the ungodly hours she'll have to wake up in the morning, or the time she's losing now as she gazes through her reflection, rubbing at a smooth stone, not even noticing her own face staring back at her. Oh, I don't think that's terrible. <laughs> it's just so dramatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. But like, no, I kind of, I kind of like the the idea of time in it. Mm-hmm. It works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, also, mine mine features public transportation. Hey, we're just courting the same just wavelength like today. <laughs> oh man, this is so. Don't feel bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, when I picked you up, I wasn't sure how long you'd stay. To tell the truth, I don't think I even really considered the prospect of you as a fixture. You were simply something different in the moment. Made me pause in my tracks on the way to work. An ordinary morning of bus fumes and tweeting crosswalks. I noticed you. The years have worn us into each other. Subtle shifts of stature have created a place for my hands. So that now, when I look at you and can't recall the details of that ordinary day, I wonder if perhaps I should have left you there on the street. What space in what other creature's belly might you have filled? What tree might you have become? And would I even miss you? Hmm. That's pretty pretty straightforward. (laughs) (laughs) See, I feel like even though our pieces weren't perfect, like they could become something perfect. Mm. I don't know about that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> like but with a little bit of editing, like it could be yeah, nice. There's there's an exercise, you know, for every how many, you know, you gotta you gotta have those false starts, right? It's true. Sometimes you win, sometimes you. You know, and that's more than I away. more than I <laughs> otherwise would have written today. So <laughs> exactly. So that's it too. That's all that matters. <laughs> it's anyway, a, it's a slow <laughs> process. Yeah. So we're going to turn to somebody who's probably much better at this than we are. Um, Coming up, we're going to talk to local writer Dan Brady about his ideas on starting a new piece. Stay tuned. Gather. (laughs) Gather. Gather, please. Um, You can gather in. Gather around, gather around for the second half. And we're going to get started. We're going to get started. We'll get started. We're officially getting started. Not teasing you this time. We've been discussing starting new projects, and joining us on the show is local author Dan Brady. So Dan is an accomplished poet, as well as poetry editor for Barrel House, um, which is a literary magazine and small press here in D.C., And Dan's latest book, Strange Children, from Publishing Genius, came out just this past year in 2018, and we're already badgering him about starting a new project, so welcome, Dan. (laughs) Thank you. Happy to be here. We're excited to have you. 
So tell us, are you, have you started thinking about a new project already? I am always thinking about new projects. I tend to have two or three kind of themes going at a time yeah. that I'm building something around. So I've got a couple irons in the fire. Um, I'm interested in time, so I'm reading a lot about time and mm -hmm. then kind of building poems from what I find interesting there. I've also started a novel, which is scary hey. <laughs> and different, but uh, I'm trying to figure out how all that all works too. I so. love that. So um, I'm curious because um, I I was thinking as leading up to the interview that um, this collection strikes me as having like taken a long time. Mm -hmm. Is that mm. accurate? Uh, yeah, that's accurate. I think several years. So it's yeah. interesting. These poems were poems personal poems I was kind of writing between what I thought of as projects like these were things that just kind of came mm. out and um but then eventually I realized that they all go together because they're all coming from me so that makes sense right. and once I put them together they really fit as a book yeah. um so this you know I've had like book length manuscripts ready before um, but this one was the first one that felt like a real complete mm. thing yeah so it was probably at least six or seven years these poems span that time period, I think. So, yeah, you're like a work on multiple projects at the same time kind of guy. Yeah. I'm hearing. <laughs> De definitely. <laughs> I, I can empathize with that. Um, I'm also, it's really encouraging to me to hear that um, these poems came together in a collection that you feel so strongly about because sometimes I think like I'll look back and read through things that are inspiring me now and I'm like oh that's from like eight years ago right. am I even allowed <laughs> to use that yeah <laughs> yeah definitely you know reading the poems as I've done readings that some of the poems feel distant to me now okay. um but other ones like the newest poems in here are from 2015 mm -hmm. so three four years ago and those still feel fairly immediate and good and new to me <laughs> but the older stuff i'm like oh, i don't know about this anymore i'm right. tired of this I was so. just gonna say because uh, i'm working on a very long project so that's why i asked i i feel like i can relate to something being personal and taking many many years yeah um but i do start to worry that it's like taking so long that my voice is changing a lot right. and like mm -hmm. how different is it going to be is it going to be really drastic to the reader did you find that with your early ones um i found that they still fit sort of the overarching narrative of the book um so even if i wasn't super psyched about those poems <laughs> anymore i felt like they had a place in the book mm. they were doing a certain amount of work that needed to be done um so I still see their value there. And even though I don't feel like the, well, I think the voice is the same because they are personal, but I would have, if I were writing them today, I'd probably do it differently, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. but overall it came together and I'm okay with that. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, since we're talking so much about your latest project, do you want to read a little something from there? Sure. Yeah. Um, I had planned to read one thing and then I realized I have a poem in here called where to begin, hey, which seems <laughs> on theme. So I'll, I'll start with that one. Um, and so this poem I actually wrote when my son was born, my first uh, child was born and thinking about sort of like what I want for him. So it's sort of, it's a beginning poem, mm -hmm. um, where to begin for Reed. The way you explore this space is the way life happens. Walk it out. 
feel around, you'll find that on occasion your senses betray you and everything becomes light. Other times, a crushing weight compresses you to your tiniest form. It is our hope that you will be moved easily, that you will be more air than earth, that you will find pleasures yet undiscovered, and that the darkness lasts only briefly. We cannot promise this, only assure you of our intentions. There are many experiments, and most of them die. Those that succeed find advantage in their environment. They see what no one else sees. Out of love, they create new possibilities. So I think that that works like as the creative process to me too. Absolutely. So, <laughs> this is resonating. Right. And it resonated with me because before the show my daughter was toddling around out yeah. there and, and barely balancing. And so, Adorable. And it's also funny how you really do think about um, like Darwinism and like mm. just your it, it not only makes you think about your life, it, like, it not only puts your life in pr- perspective, just having this little being around, like, who's going to become a, a bigger, you yeah. know, like, a full-grown <laughs> person, um, but it really, like, puts your entire, like, all of humanity into perspective a little bit, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kids are life-changing on every level, so. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, do you want me to do sure. one more from the book? So this poem is called The Morning is a Sea, and I thought I'd read this poem because that the first line is also The Morning is a Sea, and I just woke up one day with that line in my head. Mm, I love those beginnings. Yeah, and I was like, what is what does that mean? What is yeah. that about? Let's explore that. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I mentioned outside that I'm a big note taker. I just kind of like write down little scraps of things and eventually mm-hmm. compile them together. Um, so I'd had some notes about like, waves being interesting to me and uh so this starting with just writing down uh the morning is a sea i kind of pushed into that knowing i had some of this material built up so the morning is a sea the morning is a sea and the whole world sloshes about with possibility there are so many why are so many things shaped like waves a conductor's wand as it moves through the air the spiral curls of your hair, the in and out of breaths, the crush of a violent death. Because a wave never truly stops, it is reabsorbed, reshaped, continues again. There is no shame in failure because there is no end. Try again. On our saddest days, we can still seek and we can still find. We are seekers and finders, all of us sloshing about. It helps not to have a stated goal. A wave always finds the shore eventually, even if just for a moment. Today could be the day. The sun is bright upon the waves, so bright I can hardly see if we're moving toward each other or drifting farther apart. It doesn't matter, really. When night comes, we won't be able to see each other anyway, but we'll feel like we're together. As we look up at that darkening sky, into the distant past and find ourselves part of the same ocean, the same pull and swell, and that will be enough until morning comes again. Um, so, I don't know, I think both of those poems are hopeful, I guess, and 
when I think about starting new poems, there's also all, often a dread of like, totally. well, what am I going to do now? You know, like, this, how do I continue? Yeah. But um, the dread of starting something new. Yeah, but I think the flip side of that is that writing is like a hopeful act that you're trying to mm-hmm. get something out or communicate or connect with a reader in some way. And so, if I can remind myself of that, then I don't feel as anxious about like Mm. well what do I do next and I think it also helps to think that like your best work is ahead of you Mm. you know Um, you can't kind of rely on what you did before like you got to do new things so that's really important to remember I, I often get stuck in that like oh that one thing was so good <laughs> right <laughs> how can I do that again <laughs> yeah. I'm like oh everything since then has been crap <laughs> right <better."> right <laughs> I, I I love how that and I know this is purposeful for you but how that all, feeling also comes through in that poem because it's the you know constant starting over and and that cycle where uh even when you finish you never really finish and there's something else to look forward to yeah it's like laundry. You just gotta keep <laughs> keep doing it. You, know? you don't have to. <laughs> Only I think laundry like disintegrates after time. Right. Uh, over time, you know, <laughs> writing gets better and better. Yeah. Dan, do you? I'm I'm wondering if you have any advice for people trying to start a project right now. Like when mm. when I feel like in the springtime, people are especially inspired to like right. start something new. Yeah. 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 Um. I think one of the best things I ever started doing with my writing was to be sort of gentler with myself and mm-hmm. say, all right, you can sit down and try and write something for like 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be, you know, this is my three hour writing block. So give yourself 15 minutes. And if it's working at the end of that and you have something that you're going with, keep going. But if it's not, like, don't beat yourself up. Just go read a book or mm-hmm. go for a walk or whatever. Um, I think that was really helpful to me and 15 minutes seems easy. Like I can sit here for 15 minutes, you know, like, sure. I'll (laughs) sketch out whatever I can. And you'd be surprised by just giving yourself that little freedom, like how much good stuff you can get out. Um, I also like to write to people kind of, um, think about like who is listening to this poem. So sometimes if I get stuck, I'll have like an invisible first line, which is, you know, um, something like, there's something I need to tell you, Hmm. and then start the poem. So Hmm. I've already put this sort of urgency in storytelling Hmm. on myself. Um, and then obviously I just cross that out when I'm done. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I really like that. I don't have to try that. (laughs) Oh, that's great. So you must have a couple of, of new poems that you're coconut can we get a peek and yeah is there so before you jump in is there like a project that you're focusing on or are you really just letting it be all over the place still um it's kind of all over the place i i have this idea for this project around time i also have this idea for this idea of like things that i've wanted in the past so i'm going to read a poem from that project that i'm working on and I tend to do this where I'm like, all right, I'm interested in this question. I'm going to write, you know, 20 poems Mm -hmm. about this and maybe two of them will work. And that's fine. You know, if all 20 of them work great, I have like a chapbook there, you know? So, um, 
But I think giving yourself the leeway to try it from different angles and see what works best is good. And then you'll generate that material. Maybe you can use it somewhere else. And um, totally. Yeah. So this over this last summer, I had the idea of looking back at my life and thinking like, what did I want at various times um, in terms of you know stuff or jobs or who I was attracted to, those kinds of things. And um, the idea was I would do one for every year of my life. Oh, wow. Um, so I haven't gotten that far yet. But <laughs> <laughs> this one was, I was thinking about like birth and how do I access that? So this was the poem um, that came out of that. The others are much more specific, like around specific um, relationships and things like that. But this one is more general. So the title is um, What I've Always Wanted. There is no memory of the beginning, except that which has been reconstructed, none of which feels firsthand. The experience is perhaps too much to register, the system of organization not yet developed. But I must have wanted, we all do, constantly, to be together, to be full, to rest. What is an I but a thing that wants? In the beginning, that is all an I is. At the end, that is all I am. So that's kind of my, my project I'm working on right now. Um, and we'll see how it goes. So is that for the first year? Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. zero to one. Yeah, so. <laughs> like some Descartes action. <laughs> yeah, right. Can I ask you a question? Sure. The I, was that like... E-Y-E or I? I, the letter I. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I was interpreting it very differently for a moment. <laughs> because I was thinking about, you know, like I, I was thinking about like neural development during the mm. time and you're not all there. And I'm like, oh, the I in humans is like very unique and there are certain things that it wants and needs. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting take on that. <laughs> right. Okay, cool. Just in case you want to take that. That's a good way. revision note. I'm going to look at that. That's yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure, on the show, it's dude. been a pleasure. Thank yeah. you for having me. Up next, we talk to fiction writer Sam Nelson about his latest projects. starting new projects is Interloop veteran Sam Nelson. Welcome, Sam. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for calling me a veteran. <laughs> That's you fun. are. You've been with you us You are. You've read with us a lot. Yeah. Um, and we actually just love your work because it always manages to be both hilarious and thought-provoking. Um, oh, so we especially wanted to bring you on because um, Sam... We wanted Sam to talk about starting new projects because he recently made a lifestyle change um, that prioritizes writing, right? Yes. I'm not, I'm not wrong about that. Yeah, <laughs> He's making all kinds of faces. You're correct, yeah. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that decision and how it's been going? Sure. Well, I've, I mean, I've always wanted to write for most of my life, and I've always I've always ri- been writing since I was a kid. I was like a little kid writing stories. Um, and 
you know, I've been also been a full-time teacher ever since I graduated college. Hmm. And teaching is something I love, working with the kids, but it'll burn you out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, I usually work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. That's not your average sitting down. Right. At an office, it's like you're on your feet. You're, mm-hmm. It takes a lot out of you. So um, I burnt out probably two or three times <laughs> in teaching. <laughs> I actually quit. Well, I used to teach in New Orleans, and I quit then, too, to write um and I was not as smart about it. I lost all my money in that adventure. And I was not a, as good of a writer, so I couldn't really sustain myself. I feel like New Orleans does that to people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, though. It was, a, it was a good place. I learned, a, I grew a lot as a writer, so it was, that was important. Um, but the decision, again, it happened to me again, and uh, I was teaching in D.C., and I was working full-time, and I was writing, what I would say, kind of writing on the margins. You know, you find little little bits of time in the evening when I get home when I wasn't too tired in between dinner and coming home, maybe writing on a Friday night or on the weekends. And But, I mean, as you all know, to do a serious project, it's really hard to add all those minutes up into completion. It just really mm-hmm. doesn't add up. Like, writing on the margins can, you know, keep you sharp, but Afloat. it's... Right. You know, I just wasn't getting anything done. And I just kind of got tired of that after years and years of doing that so I wanted to give it a serious shot this is so inspiring I should quit my job (laughs) (laughs) I encourage everybody quit your jobs and write (laughs) yeah we'll see we'll see what happens to the American economy maybe Maybe it would be magical it could yeah that's an experiment you know (laughs) it could be fun it would be a new beginning yeah I get it (laughs) so tell us about um, I mean I still just just say I still work a little bit I'm not like a a complete vagabond. Bum. I don't want to say bum. That's not the right, the right word. Vagabond. Not a vagabond. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I still I teach part time, which is night, something that's important right? to me. Yep. So I, teach I used now. to work at night, and I found myself to be way more productive. I used to work at night. I used to work at night. <laughs> I was a lady of the night. No, no. I used to work. What was it? It was three p.m. to ten p.m. Oh, I re- yeah. I remember when you were doing those. Yeah, four days a week, and it was beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. No, I didn't write all day every day. <laughs> like it's really hard to. But I was way more productive because it's so much easier to do stuff I found during the day. It is, yeah. Before you go to work and then you can just be like a zombie at work, who cares? Right, before you're worn out and like don't have the exactly. mental yeah. anymore. You come exactly. home and you're tired and yeah. you get to cook dinner. After work, to... I would I just never I'm like I don't give I don't care about writing anymore. No. <laughs> no. All I want to do is relax. Well, and with you with teaching especially it's like you're not in addition to being on your feet, it's not just the instruction. It's the being the mentor, the therapist, the person who's there for people mm-hmm. in a variety of different ways that takes such an emotional toll. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, yes, that's that's really true. And a lot of my stories are actually about sort of the richness of, of of what it's like to be in a classroom, especially from the, either the teacher's perspective or the kid's perspective, because it's it's quite a place. <laughs> um, we've all like we've all been there, but we kind of forget what it's like as we grow up. Absolutely. Um, um, well, so can we hear something of what you've been beginning in this new beginning? Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, I've got, you know, the thing is, I, it's hard for me to pick a project because I have a lot of projects. That's, it's actually. <laughs> You're another one. That's <laughs> a theme around Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's like the opposite problem. When I was working full time and I'd have all these ideas that I couldn't have, any, I didn't have any time to actually get get them down. But now I have all this time. So I've started 20 or 30 different little writing projects. Wow. Um, I'm writing a lot of kids' books these days too, but hey, okay. uh, yeah, I'm I'll trying take, to. I'll take some prototypes home, read them to my daughter. I would please. I'm. I beg a lot of people to read my stuff, <laughs> so I'm trying to get some representation right now, and I'm 
feeling pretty confident about it. Hey. But so I'm not ready ready, ready to read those yet. Soon. Okay. Nice. <laughs> uh, what I do have is a story I wrote. Um, I heard Dan talking about this a little bit, and you all talking about it. every starting a different project. Every project's different, mm-hmm. and I find that to be really different. Also, with every genre, I can't sit down and approach every genre the same way. Whether it's you know essay or mm. or a bad poem I write, right, or um, kids' books or short stories. So for me, when it comes to short story writing, I find that some of my better short stories the ones I'd like actually happen in this sort of being in the right space. Mm-hmm. I think a lot about space and how I occupy space. And this Physical story, space. yes, yeah. I don't think we something we talk about enough. We always talk about the mental space of yeah. writing, yeah. but like the physicality of writing is really, yep. really important in the space you occupy and how you occupy it. Hmm. So. This story I wrote uh, in Mexico City, which is a place that's very dear to me. I very I, I won't ruin your whole podcast by talking about Mexico City the whole time, but <laughs> it's a really fantastic city. Um, I would recommend people, everybody go there and check it out. Um, so I spent a lot of time there. I used to live nearby, and I was visiting a friend and staying in her rooftop. She has this beautiful bedroom, and it's got full of plants and all these things, and just light filters in in the morning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've actually been to Mexico City and ah. I was very charmed. Yes, it's a charming place. It's yeah. enchanting. So that you was know, just this is rare moment, a happy gift where I could actually sit down and just kind of lose myself in a story for an hour. And I wrote this. Um, I revised it many times since. Um, it's going to be published by a Possum Journal in the spring. Nice, mm-hmm, which is a really cool literary concept. They sort of mesh noise and sound with Ooh. prose together. I like it. Yes, huh. it's beautiful. It's a beautiful journal. Interesting. So, yep. Yeah. Listeners take note. Opossum. <laughs> yes, and I wrote this before Roma came out, just to be clear, because some of the <laughs> some of the like the noises and things on there, like are in Roma too. I don't want anyone to think I'm ripping off that right. that movie, <laughs> yeah. which is also beautiful. Okay. Uh, city noise. The knife guy's whistling. So is the sweet potato guy. It's a different whistle though. The knife guy blows a shrill metal whistle, air sailing through rust, but the potato guy is spitting steam through an iron pipe. He'll cook blow whistle until late when the bars pretend to close. They both travel by bicycle, pitching noise through night, but nobody's buying these days. The neighborhood is like that, full of market noise, potatoes, knives, gas, water, each a cipher for something saleable, except the noises that aren't, like the dogs. There's a lady that collects them. She's young. I heard she left her family behind in Tabasco. She left them by, she replaced them with strays. On the first day of every month, she shelters a new dog. Some unwashed beggar mutt racked with tumors and long belly nipples. She feeds it, cleans it, puts it with the others. They mostly get along, but sometimes at night they don't. And the whole neighborhood, which can feel like the whole city, hears it. A doggy brawl amongst new friends, a raw orchestra of gnashing yelps and yaps. The dog fight never lasts more than a minute. The owner sues them into cooperation or maybe just tolerance, and the neighborhood pretends to sleep again. So that's it. Whistles and dogs. <laughs> and airplanes. All night there are airplanes, bursting to and from in aerial tides. The city is a destination, but not this neighborhood. The planes don't touch down here. Its passengers never get off here. I hope it stays that way. And I don't. Planes whistles and the young lady strays. Nothing more. And the older lady, Yessie, who yells at the strays. Dejen esos paros de paz. Ya. Pinche gente. Dejenlos. And yells at the airplanes. Pinches aves. No <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. No. This is my old lady Mexican voice, so. <laughs> Pinches aves. No tejo bajo en paz. Yeah. Yes, he also lives alone. But on Sundays, her daughter's visits. I watch them from my oasis, my rooftop garden. I see them from through their big apartment windows, cooking together, washing together, hanging laundry on a line from wall to wall in the bright kitchen. 
On those nights, the mother never yells. On those nights, it's quiet. Quiet enough that my own thoughts don't shout their way out of me. Instead, I can sit on my rooftop garden and listen. I can hear water thread the holes in my watering can. I can sit and listen to my plants grow. The hibiscus blossoms unfurling. The tensions of red sunflower, sunflowers stretching toward moonlight. On those nights, it's quiet enough that animals brave my company. Like the caco. The caco measle. It comes from my lime tree, which grows from the neighbor's yard. But its crown reaches into my rooftop garden, like a handshake over a fence. The caco comes through the limes. And when the limes stop blooming, the last pieces begin to rot on the branch. I set a bowl of wrinkled apples on a, to on a table on the roof. Because I like the caco. It's not a screeching pipe or yes, he's screaming at planes. It's not a dogfight or a raccoon scattering my garbage. It's a lime lover, like me. <laughs> like a cat, but wilder. At night, it makes a sound too. Not a shrill whistle or a yelp, but more like a single note, a baby squeal. A quick pitch of delight I can hear through my open window. It's cuter than a cat, except that it eats cats. <laughs> Kittens. I mean, you just really transport us to the place, and I love that. I'm just always drawn to that. In totally. Oh, thank you. The yeah. descriptions were, yeah, powerful. Um, I just, you know, I had, I had two essays that I've been working on. We talk a lot about starting projects, and I love starting projects. It's Starting projects for me is so, it's so much fun. When you talk about starting projects, do you mean like literally like writing the first few pages is what's so exciting, or is it conceptualizing it? Do you do research? I'm usually I'm talking about putting the getting the starting the actual work. I mean, there's for me, I've got many many ideas sort of going around in my head at at any given time. Mm -hmm. So the idea when I finally actually feel ready to put it down on a page, even if it's just going to end up being trash, mm -hmm. but the idea to like oh I'm ready to tackle this thing. Um, that's really exciting for me. How fleshed out is this concept when you finally feel like, guess, I'm ready to start this project? Like, I'm ready to actually write the first two paragraphs? Yeah, that's a great question. And I guess it really depends. Like, every project has its own flavor. No. Um, you know, there's there's an interview with Tom Waits, and he talked about every song sort of is the physicality of wrestling with different music songs. And mm -hmm. some require you to actually, like, physically wrestle and, like, beat the crap out of that yeah. song. <laughs> You can feel that. I can feel like, like sometimes there's some the stories I just got to beat up a little bit. And then some kind of need to be like cradled oh. and caressed oh. and, you know, you have to coax them out little by little, day by day. Um, so for me, a lot of it is physically thinking through the space of where I need to be for this particular story when I'm ready to write it. There's some stories that I honestly just, as a writer, I'm not intellectually and uh, skilled enough to write yet. And I just table them. I have a little box. I keep a little box in my room. With all my projects. <laughs> no, but that's like. And when I'm ready to pull, when that, I'm ready for it, I pull it up. Knowing that I think is such an important part of the process. Yeah. Like knowing when you're not ready. I was just reading. <laughs> I was just reading uh, an experiment for about social cognition, and it was about metacognition and people's awareness or unawareness, and largely, um, skill level traces mm -hmm. your perception of how you assess yourself mm -hmm. so people who are less skilled at something are less able to determine their actual skill at it mm. and they overestimate so this means you're really good at writing <laughs> <laughs> well thank you you're able to know what you don't know that was a way to turn that into a compliment yeah. thank you. <laughs> I, feel, yeah, I feel good about being about my limitations now See? yeah Cause I mean, it, often writing can feel a little bit like sort of trying to slam your head on the wall, trying to trying to break through <laughs> to the other side. Totally, I feel that. Because you're all the time. in constant conflict with your own <laughs> limits. Um, yeah. yeah. But that's the game. 
Yeah, yeah. So how do you overcome that feeling? Um, he slams his head against the wall. Honestly, Dan said something really nice earlier. I mean, like, he's he's such a good poet, and I love those poems. And I don't know, he said something about being gentle with yourself. It's hard to imagine him not being gentle himself because he seems like such a nice, <laughs> so gentle, gentle guy. I know. <laughs> but it's true. The, my, when I first started this adventure, I quit, and I was ready to write, and I was excited, and I did not know how hard it was going to be. Because mm. I thought teaching, nothing can be harder than teaching. And I got to the desk, and it was a completely different kind of hard because it's yeah. just me at the desk. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you. So I do have a couple, I do have a few tricks. One is making sure I talk about the physicality of it, mm-hmm. making sure that my space is right. Mm-hmm. I have to have a clean desk. Mm-hmm. I actually have two desks. I have one desk where I throw all of my crap, and then I have a fold-out desk, which I keep clean. I unfold it at the night, and I fold it back in the beginning. I like that. That's my yeah. clean space. Um, I keep a little place where I can stand up and write. Mm-hmm. I have some space where I can move around. Um, so actually having that physical space so I can, when I hit a tough point, it's not like... The space isn't crowding me. Yeah. We have so much busyness in our lives hmm. that can distract us. So having a space where you can think and get lost in your work is important. And I also keep a box right by my desk too. So I have a different things when I'm not ready. Anne Hood is a really she's a great writer. I heard talk once about putting projects in the drawer and letting uh-huh. them sit. Uh-huh. You can call it marinating or just forgetting about it. But I put them in a file in a, in a little file box and I forget about them. Or don't forget about them. But I pull them out. There. There's a day where maybe I'm just not up to doing what I want. I just honestly don't want to do this thing. I'll open that box up and see what's interesting for me that day. Hmm. Do you think that uh, the the so talking about physicality, the physical box is different? Like I have a folder on my computer that's mm. called on my desktop. <laughs> it's called Random Writing Titties, ah. and <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> it's, it's a I'm bunch. Sorry. It's a bunch. Of, it's it's that stuff. It's like all those things that I'm like not ready for this, but it's like. How, do you, and how do you spell that word? Yeah, titties. Okay. Like, like tits, yeah. Like titties. <laughs> I thought you meant like tidbits. No, no. Okay, all like right. Kind of. But because there's nothing better than tits, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, <laughs> there. But, but, my question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a folder in my, in my little box for that now. My question is, do you think that makes a difference, like having that physical box versus a, a digital one? And is this like a file box? Like, how big is this box? <laughs> <laughs> we're really curious about what's in the box. Know, we're talking about the, the importance of it's, like physical uh, space. Let's yeah. get down and dirty. Well, I'm a very disorganized person, but and uh, my mom taught me to like use the little Manila folders, and I've got different Labels. filing cabinets all across. I don't know, probably this country. <laughs> Who knows where I've left these things? But I do have a small carry-on box that my mom used when she was a nurse for her patients. Okay. That she had all her cases in there. She gave it to me when I took off and drove across the country about a year and a half ago and that's where I put my little products because I was on the road Right. and then I just kept it I do have mm-hmm. to clean it out because it gets too big in there but once I'm done with the project then I can take that out and recycle those papers because I don't need them eventually everything goes digital yeah. but for me I start analog I, mm-hmm. I write everything cool. by hand at first um, and that's why I mean so for people who are more comfortable with the computer then I the that full <laughs> <laughs> The, the titty, titty folder. folder. The titty, <laughs> can I say that on this podcast? The titty, the titty folder is is right for you. Um, but for me, for me, the computer is a huge distraction. Yeah. Like all is, yeah. my day just goes completely different once I open up that computer. That's true. So the the physical box is helpful. Cool. Yeah. All about physicality. This I, guy. I, yeah. I'm, I'm it's here a phys- for it. No, I love this perspective. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, yeah. thank you for having me. It's this is this is fun. Well, spring means flowers and birds, but next time you see a bright red cardinal, maybe don't get so excited, so says our next poet. 
Before we let you go, we wanted to share one more spring poem with you. Um, so it's kind of about spring and sickness. It's <laughs> weird. Okay. Uh, sweat rolls down the back of my denim jacket, trapped between the fabric and a field of skin. The arms make for loose cuffs. The city is shrouded, a canopy of petals, a floral precipitation. The streets, a seasonal wreath of canary and bubblegum ambiance. My tongue flicks the blister on my bottom lip, a stress hemorrhage. So many things I am not want to do because I, am want, I want to do so many things. The mailman rinses himself in the alley with water gallons from puckered lips of plastic containers. I help myself to a cream puff upon arriving home. I sit on a stool outside the back door, tonguing sugar from my spry thumb. The cardinal, a pleasant contrarian to the seasonal color, that of a green verdant spectrum. He can always be seen. People are always alarmed to see a cardinal, and yet it is the most obvious bird, a foul showboating. <laughs> All the wilting rosemary needed was some water. One brick keeps the back door propped open, and yet I can never find it, and yet it is always in the way. Where are you now? Your indifferent sour is on my palate, and I remind myself to remind myself to remember this sentiment when groping my cavernous insides for resolution. These days are hungry and yet robust. Eating alone is medicine. Singing clinks of coffee cups knocking against one another fresh out of the dishwasher, medicinal. Low crowd volume mumbles massage the nodes sore in my throat. The notes in my throat were nibbled, three thieved by streptococcus, a caucus of throaty aphids having gathered in my gullet. The bobby pins in my pockets feel like tiny apologies, asides one and one half inches long, finessed in medium carbon steel, as if to say, I am sorry that I look this way. The humidity did it to me. Thank you. That was Nikki Avina reading her poem at an Interloop event. And that's our show. Join us next month for more literary inspiration. To find out more about us or submit to read at our next event, please visit us at www.theinnerlooplit.com. Today's episode was produced by me, Rachel Kuntz. Our theme music is by Andrew Logan, and our technical manager is James Skinner. Thanks again to Dan Brady and Sam Nelson for joining us on the show. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or any other streaming site you use. Podcasts thrive on reviews like yours, so if you want to support The Inner Loop, take the time to tell the world how damn awesome we are. <laughs> and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe! Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Happy writing. And happy spring. Happy spring. Happy St. Patty's Day. Yeah. It's going to be gone by the time you hear this. Well, that's all right. I mean, it's it's the luck of the Irish. There are some great Irish writers in history that we didn't talk about. Oh, my God. We have to redo this whole the show. The whole show. All right. Start over. <sighs> right on, guys. <laughs>